This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Our scripture reading today is found in Genesis 37, 1 to 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, <coughs> was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, And 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. This is God's word. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to stand in your presence this morning as a body of believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for saving us, not because of our works, but because of your mercy. By the washing of regeneration through our Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand forgiven this morning. Heavenly Father, I bring before you the numerous health concerns of our body here at Evangelical. Lord, you know them all by name. We specifically think of the family of Audrey de Silva as they grieve after her passing. Lord, may the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort be near to them in their affliction. Lord, we pray for those that can't join us in person today that are watching online, Lord, please be near to them and encourage them. Lord, we bring before you our government. Your word commands us to pray for our government and those in charge of us. We pray, give them wisdom in their decision-making. 
that we would give them the honor due. Lord, we think of the lost in this world that do not know you. Lord, we beg you that Christ would be known throughout our world. We pray for the, for the conflicts that we see in the media, the various conflicts in our world that grieves our hearts. And we pray for our world leaders as they respond to these various situations. Lord, we pray closer to home. We pray for evangelical church. We pray for our ministries that have started in this new term. Pray for our ministry workers. We, we, we pray that you'd give us a renewed energy and strength and to, to serve you and, and, and to make your name known. Lord, I pray that you would, you would make us a people of prayer in 2024 as your word commands us to be praying without ceasing. Lord, I now bring before you our Pastor Paul. May your Holy Spirit be upon him now as he expounds your word. May we be good hearers of the word today. Give us teachable hearts and change us to become more like our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. It's good to be back with everyone. Good to be feeling good again. And I'm excited because we've got a new series uh, to start this morning. Through the life of Joseph, which takes us through to the end of Genesis, finally. Uh, Joseph actually takes up more space in Genesis than any other person does. So he's pretty important. This is, a, this is the point in the story of redemption when the pattern changes. Up to this point, we've been focusing on an individual and the promise being passed to another individual. From Abraham, it went to Isaac, not Ishmael. From Isaac, it went to Jacob, not Esau. And now, not just to Joseph from Jacob, but to all 11 of his brothers as well. There is the change in the pattern. It has to happen eventually because it's, they're supposed to form a great nation. So you just can't have one sibling getting the promise each time. But there's a problem. There's always a problem in a fallen world. But God has a plan for the problem. God always has a plan for the problem. In fact, God can take that problem and turn it into the plan. That's how powerful he is. Maybe you have a problem of some kind. Maybe it's because of someone else, maybe it's, maybe it's you, maybe you're the cause of it. Take heart. God is not stumped by your problem. 
but has a plan. That problem won't stop him from accomplishing his good purposes for your life. The problem here is that the promise extends to all 12 brothers, but there is division in the family. How can they be the founders of a nation united together if they're divided? Right? That, th this is always a problem for a family if there's division, but it's also a problem for a nation. Right? Not, not a good start for fledgling Israel. With, with that brief introduction, let's begin to unpack this problem and God's solution. Here's the outline. Past feelings fueling, current heightening hate, God's strange solution. So let's start with that first point, past feelings fueling. Sounds like a line from the 12 days of Christmas. Verses 1 and 2 turn the spotlight from Jacob to Joseph, yet still keeping them connected. Jacob is very much still in the scene. What has happened in the past always has an impact on the present. There's a connection. If you grew up a certain way, that had an impact on you and shaped who you are today. You would be foolish to ignore this and say that it doesn't. Let's read verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report to them, to their father. The phrase, these are the generations, is, is a marker in Genesis for major transitions. This is the tenth and final marker of this kind. Joseph is 17, and he brings a bad report of his brothers to his father, Jacob. Now, this is not surprising because there are some deep family issues that have been going on for some time now. Where to start? I, I want to give a brief recap because I know not everyone was here for the life of Jacob. So Jacob married two women. That was the first mistake. <laughs> Leah and Rachel. Jacob got tricked into marrying Leah. He never wanted to marry Leah because he loved Rachel. So Jacob had a favorite wife. The mistakes are mounting. God opened Leah's womb first, and she gave, she gave him four sons. This is a big deal in this time and culture. Rachel got her handmaid to bear children for her on her behalf. This is not uncommon. And, and she got two sons through that handmaid. Leah says, two can play that game, and takes her handmaid, and she gets two sons through that handmaid. Leah then has two more sons and a daughter to boot. 
finally, Rachel has her first son, Joseph. Joseph became Jacob's favorite. The mistakes are mounting. Because he was the first son of his most loved wife and was born to him in his old age. This idea of favoritism is not new in Genesis, and it's always a seedbed for trouble. This family grew up knowing Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, and that Jacob's favorite child was Joseph. When Jacob leaves his uncle Laban to go back to his father's land, Joseph his youngest son is, is about six years old. Jacob knows he has to face his brother Esau, who wanted to kill him before he left some 20 years ago. To meet Esau, Jacob divides up his family into sections in order to try to preserve them as he's thinking the worst case scenario that Esau and his men are going to slaughter them. So he puts the maidservants and their children out in the front. And then he puts Leah and her brood next. And then last, tucked way in the back, he puts Rachel and Joseph. What do you think the boys thought about that? You know that produced some feelings, don't you? Fast forward a few years, and Jacob is settled in Shechem, and it's here that his daughter is defiled, and then the defiler, whose name is Shechem, he's the prince of the land, he wants to take her as his wife. Shechem and his father, Hamor, get together with Jacob and his sons and try to arrange this, this deal. Jacob's sons agree to the deal and a covenant with them as long as all of Shechem get circumcised. They agree. And when they are recovering, Simeon and Levi take revenge for what happened to their sister and slaughter every man in that city and all the sons plunder the city. Jacob, who has been silent through this whole ordeal, tells his boys that they've put him in danger because he'll now be a stench among the people of the land. It seems like Jacob only thought, or thought his, his only daughter, Dinah, was expendable. And because it didn't involve Rachel and Joseph, it was not a big deal. What do you think the boys thought about that? Again, I know some feelings were produced there. Jacob now takes the family back to Bethel. Rachel is pregnant, and along the way, she goes into labor and has her last son, Benjamin, but dies after giving birth. Joseph, Joseph's mother dies, and you know his brothers are not sympathetic to this. 
In fact, shortly after the death of Rachel, the oldest son, Reuben, makes a play to become the head of the clan by sleeping with Rachel's handmaid, Bilhah. Jacob hears of it and is somehow able to squash the rebellion, but the damage continues to be done in the family. This is what we go into chapter 37 with. This is the baggage. This is the beginning of the Joseph narrative. It's what fuels the feelings and actions that we see throughout this story. This is why Joseph is seen as spying on his brothers. Their father can't trust them. One of them has already tried to usurp him. But what reason do the other brothers have to really respect their father? None. It's no surprise that Joseph turns back a bad report about his brothers. Some have argued that Joseph made up the report or exaggerated it. But there's no strong evidence to support that view. Some say, well, he shouldn't have been a tattletale. He's basically saying what's, what, he's, what he's seen. I believe the report was accurate because it's never recorded that Joseph's brothers hated him because of this report. It's, you don't find that here. They hate him for a lot of other reasons, but not because of this report, because I think the report's true. The sons don't like their father. And so they're not honoring him with what they're doing. There's an innocence and purity painted in Joseph. And the reason why will become very clear as we move through his life. If I can leave something here as an application, it would be that there has to be an acknowledgement and dealing with the past. Maybe you can relate to this whole scenario of family dysfunction. You, you don't have to remain trapped in this. There, there is a freedom in Christ because Jesus gives us the motivation to forgive. You may need to talk about it, but even if it doesn't go well, you can still forgive because if you are in Christ, you have been forgiven infinitely more than you will ever have to forgive another. That's real motivation. That's fuel for forgiveness. Let's move on to the next point. Current heightening hate. Because nothing is being dealt with, things continue to get worse. Let's look at these next two verses, starting with verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of the sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. So the favoritism continues, and the famous coat of many colors appears. This is actually not a great translation, coat of many colors. 
The only other time this word appears is when it refers to a royal garment worn by one of King David's daughters. The point is that Jacob gave Joseph a royal coat, not for working. You don't work in this thing. You rule in this thing. Now, this has more to do than with just favoritism. Reuben, as the oldest brother, no longer has the birthright as the oldest because of his rebellion. We know this because of the commentary in 1 Chronicles. Let me, let me show it to you in 1 Chronicles 5, 1-2. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the sons of Israel so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers and a chief came from him, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. You see, Joseph is an oldest son as well, the oldest son of Rachel. Jacob had made the decision to give the birthright to Joseph. And this royal robe is symbolizing just that. Here is the reaction of the brothers in verse 4. But when the brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So before this coat came along, symbolizing his, his status in the family, they greeted one another. There was a civility amongst them. Now the brothers won't even say good morning. They hated him. Their hatred was moved from their father to their brother. This is what undealt hatred leads to, further hatred. It doesn't stop or go away. It just manifests itself in different ways and toward different people. How often has the hatred for one family member passed on to that family member's child? It's not uncommon, even if the child has no knowledge or part in that initial strife. Do you really want to make your hatred your legacy for your children? Some of you might be on that path. That's what you're doing when you don't deal with it and don't shield your children from it. We have to be proactive about this. Hebrews 12:15 says, "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Just a root of bitterness is all it takes to divert us from the grace of God where we find strength and motivation to forgive. If you let it take root, it will spring up 
And God's grace won't be your legacy. Hatred will flourish and take center stage in your life. Take some time. Ask yourself, is is there any bitterness in my life that has the possibility of springing up? Maybe it's already sprung up. Go to the Lord in confession and ask for his help and healing of your heart and the relationships that have been affected. It's not too late. It's never too late. Let's move on to the last point. God's strange solution. I've labeled God's solution as strange because he he doesn't pour water on the fire. He pours gasoline. Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So they really hated him before, and now they really, really, really hate him. This dream was from God. In fact, he has a similar dream at the end of our passage, which which confirms this. Dreams were a big deal prior to the, the completed revelation of the word of God for God's people. This is where God intervenes and causes the brothers to hate him even more. To Joseph, this this dream is a confirmation of the birthright given to him by his father. Although even Jacob gets a little bent out of shape when the second dream indicates that he will be bowing down to Joseph with his sons as well. God is going to allow it to get worse in order to make it better. God's perfect plan often puts us on a path right into the eye of the storm instead of away from it. It's important to be aware of this because it can be frustrating and make us feel like we're off the path and that God's not working. We can't give in to those feelings. Stay the course with the Lord. Whether it's a marriage, family problem, friendship, strife at work, interpersonal issues, stay the course with the Lord, even if it takes a turn for the worse. Peter says in his first epistle, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. If the Lord brings you closer to the eye of the storm, you're going to think this is strange and begin to think that the Lord is is punishing you, but he's not. He is refining you, and maybe the others around you as well. Stay his course, even if it gets worse, like it is among Jacob's children. 
Remember I told you what the problem was that needed to be solved here? These 12 sons are to become one nation, and they don't get along. It seems God is making it worse. God is going to use this growing hatred for this favored son to bring about their restoration and unification. Joseph reminds us of someone else here, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the royal favored son, and we were on the outs. He came to earth, and his own would not receive him because he brought a bad but truthful report and called for repentance and trust in him to be saved and unified. Instead of listening to the report and repenting and trusting, they were jealous of him and hated him. This is just the beginning of how the life of Joseph gives us a picture of the life of Christ to come in the scriptures. Joseph is shown to be perfect throughout the narrative. He is someone we can model after and learn from. But if we want to see ourselves, we need to look not at Joseph, but at the brothers who easily hate and become jealous and don't turn easily from their sinful hearts. That's us. That's us. But before we can learn from and model our actions after Joseph, we need to come to the one he pictures, Jesus. We need to realize that we will never achieve perfection in this life which is why he came. He came to give us his perfect life and royal favored son status. When we bow our life down before him, like like those stars and moon and sun were in the dream, when we bow our life down before him, he raises us up with him with the same privileged standing that he has as the favored child, favored child of God. There's nothing greater than that. There is nothing that can begin to change you more than that. There is nothing that can begin to fix those relationship problems that you have more than that. There is nothing that will bring you greater peace. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this next character in this unfolding drama of redemption, Joseph. And thank you, thank you whom he pictures, the Lord Jesus Christ, He was brought into that family in order to unify them and save them. Oh, Father, how much we need the Lord Jesus Christ to save us and unify us. Father, I know many have accepted Christ, but 
Many have not. So I pray that you would work in their hearts. May they bow their hearts to Christ Jesus as Lord, as Savior, as King, and receive that status that Jesus willingly gives. Beloved children, thank you that it's simply by faith that we can obtain this. It's not anything that we can work for or earn, but something that's given as a free gift and accepted. And so, Father, may, may people accept it today. And Father, as we continue on as, as believers in Christ, Father, help us to have a legacy that would be marked by forgiveness and grace. I know there are many people that are in relationships that are full of strife. Father, work in these relationships, even if you have to make them worse before they're rectified. Work as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.